Welcome to the Center for Internet Security's podcast, Cybersecurity Where You Are. Cybersecurity affects us all, whether we are at home, managing a company, supporting clients, or even running a state or local government. Join CIS's Sean Atkinson and Tony Sager as they discuss trends and threats, ways to implement controls and infrastructure, explore best practices, and interview experts in the industry. We are here to bring clarity to these complex issues to bring confidence in the connected world. Hello and welcome to the show, Cybersecurity Where You Are. This is Sean Atkinson Sizzo here at the Center for Internet Security. What I wanted to talk about today in this podcast was um, something that's been come up as a discussion. Uh, and again, this has been an executive order from uh, the White House, the President's Executive Order 14028 on improving the nation's cybersecurity. And it's a concept of the Software Bill of Materials. And, you know, ultimately, this is to bring elements of transparency to respective organizations, consumers, the supply chain to understand what is it exactly within my infrastructure uh, that I'm using from the vendor's perspective. You know, uh, what am I consuming uh, as part of downloading uh, the representative software application into uh, my systems and services? So with those systems and services comes an idea that if we're transparent in what is part of that through a, a program of reuse or adoption of open source software or software that is uh, not required to be created by said vendor can be integrated. Um, this one helps the velocity uh, of uh, uh, improving uh, the software supply chain in terms of new products and services uh, and the ability to uh, complement uh, current functionality with new functionality. Ultimately, this element then brings thoughts of uh, Log4j. Uh, I, you know, one of the elements here, I believe the impetus, and again, this is my own assumption, is the question of, well, where is Log4j? And it literally being everywhere in terms of representative systems, and we can see that from uh, CISA in terms of their report, and uh, ultimately the elements, and uh, I believe there was even a GitHub page showing what systems uh, were utilizing a, a vulnerable Log4j uh, version that led people to then think about, well, I had no idea this was representatively in my system. And, you know, within my infrastructure, I was responsible for this, or I had no idea representatively that this existed. So we're looking at progress in the space. And uh, since uh, 2021, I believe, uh, May, actually, May 12th, um, the uh, Improving the Nation's Cybersecurity Executive Order was issued. Uh, and so I wanted to bring some thoughts to the table uh, as we think about the integration and the capability. And one element that I believe is a force multiplier is that from CISA, uh, CISA.gov forward slash SBOM, in terms of this underlying building block and representatively on their website right now. And, and I'll quote, so it's a software bill of materials is emerged as the key building block in software security and software supply chain risk management. And SBOM is a nested inventory, a list of ingredients that make up software components. Fantastic, uh, again, wanted to use that because I might as well quote it because I couldn't say it any better. So utilizing this element allows organizations to necessarily understand their underlying risk. What is in my system and what are the components that I am then responsible for? Or managing 
when we ultimately see breaches, and then obviously we have uh, vulnerability exploitable exchanges, uh, another SBOM related concept, again referenced on scissor.gov forward slash SBOM, that allows us to look at underlying advisories where respective components are affected by uh, vulnerability. So those products, um, when they're identified, obviously part of this representative service. So it, it's very interesting in the space to then start building out a capability in order to understand uh, what we should be doing. Now, in some cases, I've not seen a lot of uptake in the space. And again, that may be I'm just focused myopically on my own infrastructure and systems that I have are responsible for as the CISO for the Center for Internet Security in terms of what we're consuming uh, as part of our underlying uh, uh, products and services to provide our advisories, attestations, and our own products and services. So here... I want to align to this underlying refinement that's now coming from the community. Watch ultimately what's coming from the community itself in order for us to understand both creation, use, implementation, how we build an ecosystem. Ultimately, those elements require us to really then think about, um, you know, is there a first organization who is the domino in the space who will be the first to do it and then others necessarily will follow? Or is it um, that the transparency versus security element um, is maybe a little bit too much to handle in terms of a practice as well as an implementation? So it's an interesting question. Uh, and I honestly would love your thoughts, podcast at cisecurity.org for any of your thoughts in the space, um, because it's one of those things that I want to introduce for our organization as part of transparency and uh, bringing about elements of increased visibility. I think it allows us, one, to maybe not necessarily lead, but be an example that can be used in the space. I ultimately what we're looking for is better visibility, right? Both um, the uh, consumers as well as internal software development life cycles to understand all of this integration, all of these requirements that we have with our representative systems. So we enhance security. So one, we're looking at better visibility. This transfers into the open source libraries, frameworks, and third-party dependencies that we have to understand as an organization providing services, but we also need to understand as a consumer of those representative services as well. So ultimately this visibility, we can look at this uh, vulnerability exchange, understand where we're seeing vulnerability at the component level, at the uh, uh, product level, and then ultimately we can react, right? We understand necessarily uh, a risk. We can then apply uh, required patching updates as necessary. But I think, you know, ultimately it's having that knowledge and an awareness at a level of detail that we can then necessarily handle. Give an example. So if we had an open source library, but we didn't include versions, ultimately I then think it's wasted. I mean, if we're not going to get to the level of detail that provides us because ultimately with Log4j we saw respective versions that were um, updated uh, and thus uh, allowed a respective compromise to ensue. Um, but we needed to know the underlying version in order to then assess our underlying systems. With an SBOM, it's really an inventory uh, management or a, really a listing review to check and see 
what versions exist. Now it gets into another question of how often of those systems uh, uh, and lists, sorry, of those respective systems, products and services updated. Um, because uh, given agility and continuous integration, continuous deployment, are there thoughts here that um, the velocity of change would need to be an automated SBOM capability in order for us to keep up with respective introductions of new libraries, functionality, updates to our own respective systems as part of this SBOM. So the libraries, frameworks, and third-party dependencies, uh, do we need then to make sure that those are automated, that that list is um, uh, updated uh, regularly and often, again, ultimately depending on the velocity of change within a respective environment and a deployment uh, framework is how often are these frameworks libraries changed and respectfully can we keep up. Um, the, the second point really from this advantage in terms of uh, stakeholder awareness is going to be vulnerability management. We've mentioned it a number of times, but a, a comprehensive understanding uh, of these respective components, the associated vulnerabilities, the vulnerability exchange, uh, understanding where we need to do updates and where we need to pri prioritize uh, patching going to be incredibly important. I mean, if we're managing risk, uh, I think ultimately awareness and uh, a capability in the space needs for us to be aware and needs for us to react timely. Uh, and I think this provides us a capability in the space to react in uh, said method. So we understand, we look at associated vulnerability. Now, I think it also transfers back to the responsibility of the stakeholder to be looking. It's not a, uh, oh, I've got a list, I've got an inventory, let me do the checkbox of respective SBOM exists or I know what's in my environment. It's utilizing that list to inform your risk management and vulnerability management program in terms of awareness of if vulnerability exists, if there are current exploitable factors with any third-party element within your infrastructure or uh, any part of the SBOM uh, listing. That then leads us to uh, reaction time, right? So we need to also have a part of this process as a consumer of an SBOM to utilize it in the right manner. Uh, again, you know, we could, uh, I'll use an old adage and, you know, maybe it's uh, one that's been heard before, but, you know, I can spend as much money on monitoring infrastructure and defense in depth capabilities, but if no one's looking at the alerting or no one configured those respective systems, it's all for naught. It's, uh, you know, just to be able to check a box to say I have an IDS, but it's, uh, you know, sat on a shelf or it's in play, but no one looks at uh, the respective logging or no one's configured it. It's just, you know, um, it's baseline configuration. In fact, it has default credentials. Uh, again, uh, being a little facetious here, but that's the element that we need, that it's a contribution from all layers of the lifecycle to be part of uh, this program. So we look at efficient vulnerability management. We look at these components. We look at what needs attention. Ultimately, we look at timely remediation. It then moves us into, uh, again, compliance and risk mitigation, where we're looking at uh, frameworks now, looking for SBOM or looking for inventory. 
And we even can go um, to the CIS controls in terms of control two with uh, inventory uh, and really aligning to elements of components within respective systems that control two has an effect on the requirement here that we want to have an inventory not just of our hardware, but at to our software and ultimately these elements and components of the software also part of that. And it leads us to uh, more granular control. Yes, it's, you know, more to review, but respectfully in a vulnerability management program and risk mitigation is I now know the individual components that I'm having to deal with as part of being responsible for risks, security, updates, uh, etc., of a respective infrastructure. And so there's a responsibility that comes with that. So with the integration of compliance and best practice, we want to make sure, one, we've got the accurate information. We mentioned that. How is that going to be updated? Working with respective vendors, how are you going to be providing this on a continuous basis? It's not just a list, set it and forget it and walk away. We know the velocity of change. We know feature enhancement. We know that there's elements of agile capability within infrastructure and uh, software uh, development, um, that there's a continuous program uh, of improvement, of updates, even patching and things of that nature. But there's also integration of new capability that may not necessarily been in-house developed and is used through third parties um, in order to manage this approach. And within third parties, obviously, I include uh, open source. So it leads us to, one, want to demonstrate a capability in this space that we're adhering to a respective capability and that we're following, uh, you know, regulation and compliance in this space. Now, as the executive order uh, with uh, two years in play, uh, the influence that that would have through CISA, through NIST and other agency is very, very important because we want to look at the NIST 800 special publication series, see how they're thinking and requiring an understanding of these base practices as they integrate supply chain risk management, as they integrate SBOM capabilities as part of a robust and mature program. We want to obviously react to those as those elements change as well. And we're in such a velocity at this point of change. Um, uh, again, we talk AI, ML, uh, new capabilities in that space. We talk about uh, the need for continuous update. There's a lot of competition in respective spaces that we need to be aware of. And how is that enabled is through better product, better services, uh, and greater capability enhanced functionality, again, bringing through with it uh, a need to know in this space. And I do believe it is a need to know now for every consumer of software that we're in a position to understand. And it leads me to the supplier relationship management is to um, where we're reliant upon software vendors and third-party suppliers. We want to look at transparency and trust as being inherent as part of the delivery of an SBOM so that ultimately we can verify components and versions. That leads us to communication, troubleshooting, uh, maintenance, and really looking at then, is the supplier, the vendor, uh, the developer, committed to this ongoing support and security practice that again is recommended um, through the executive order and through the industry? Um, 
we'll get into some of the pros and cons here. Again, I'm really listing out here elements where we want to understand and be practical in our approach. But with practical also comes disadvantages of what SBOM actually provides. And there's some underlying elements, obviously, in terms of resource uh, and that uh, velocity in terms of scaling an SBOM capability with your internal software development life cycles. But we'll get to that. Uh, the next uh, I want to look at is um, really looking at license management, uh, looking at open source software. Obviously, there's versions of different licensing requirements that come with that. And uh, we want to assist in looking at a clear set of components. We want to look at uh, those associated licenses and make sure that we're not in violation of those. Now, that has a flip effect, right? That's not only the consumer, but also those that are integrating those respective licenses and this open source software into their products and services. So that, I kind of feel, has uh, both sides of the coin in that space. Um, but be interesting to get your thoughts as well. We then move to, uh, as I mentioned, inventory and asset management. So we want to look at this accurate inventory. We want to um, maintain that. We want to look at both the complexity and challenge of managing such a respected program is part of uh, managing software assets. And so we want to track underlying components, capabilities, products, versions, underlying environments, where they are within my infrastructure. May have different versions throughout, um, you know, a software developed uh, life cycle of development, test, production. Again, I'm assuming complexity in other environments, but that is going to aid through our respective vulnerability management program to know where these exist. And respectfully in development, we may have an upgraded version as part of the development program, right? But in production, we're still on two versions behind, maybe, of a respective product or service or underlying component. Um, it's important to know that, especially if said component um, has a vulnerability, that, you know, there's different ranges of reaction when we think of infrastructure that's uh, within development and test versus production, uh, again, ultimately it matters about segmentation and the permissions around respected systems. And um, obviously there's an underlying reaction that's a part of risk management is where is this infrastructure that's vulnerable uh, so that we can apply the appropriate resources and timing in terms of determining the right velocity of change as we move uh, that respective program forward in terms of its maturity past a vulnerable version. Um, then the last one that I, I wanted to review was supply chain uh, resiliency. So this, is, again, is that visibility into the supply chain of these underlying components, looking at risk and dependencies through that uh, respective uh, element there. There may be more awareness in that space where we see continuous vulnerability from respective projects and other components that may have us consider a different approach. Maybe it is better to build in-house than to adopt an open source um, component or capability. Again, not making decisions, not making judgments, but uh, really starting to think about how we think of uh, diversification in the respective sources of these underlying components and how we address those through both software development, 
but also business continuity in terms of their effect on respective production systems. So it gives us um, improved security, vulnerability management, an element of compliance, supplier relations, license, um, our underlying inventory, and helps us build, <coughs> excuse me, and maintain a robust and security software ecosystem that helps our underlying infrastructure maintain capabilities in the space that we want to uh, necessarily uh, adopt as a best practice. Now, with that, with all the positives comes reality, right? It's not just a, again, a, a set, yep, we're going to do SBOM, there's going to be no problem, issue or concern, we're just going to move the underlying program forward. But what we've got to look at, though, is the complexity and maintenance of these respective SBOM inventories. This, for some systems and products and services, is not going to be an, uh, a one, two, three, it's done. There's going to be significant time, especially at the larger scale systems, where we've got, you know, hundreds, thousands of dependencies that may exist. And then, obviously, as those evolve and components are integrated, managed, moved, kept, updated, keeping up with that just becomes necessarily another part of the software development lifecycle. If we're adopting SBOM, it has to become integrated as part of this respected capability. The next, quite interesting, is the limited availability and accuracy of data. Now, depending on your supply chain, how you source respective code, do you have accurate and up-to-date information about the components themselves all the way down to the individual element as well? And again, respectfully, coming from the open source community, absolutely phenomenal. But there are obviously some that are better than others, right, as, as we start to integrate these capabilities. There's a challenge in the dependencies, especially where we're looking at third parties. We're looking at external sources requiring them to be better, but ultimately the impetus, where does it exist? What control, capability, power do you have in terms of their aligned responsibility to react in a way that makes your SBOM capability, your SBOM inventory, your SBOM reporting more manageable? And in some cases, there may not necessarily be an incentive from that space in terms of the underlying data, its accuracy, how it's updated, respective vulnerabilities identified within those systems. Um, they may not have the same velocity or same thoughts in terms of improving or building a capability to mitigate a vulnerability or an exploitable issue within their respective software. Again, how do we, you know, what is the balance here in terms of both functionality, timeliness of delivery, but then also security and stakeholder response from both internal, external to the organization in terms of conducting this at a level uh, that we believe meets uh, necessary responsibility. Um, but again, in some cases, uh, others may not see it that way. Um, you know, the vulnerability facetiously is a feature. You know, it, it's these elements that are missed um, and the impetus may be, hey, I just don't have time. You know, you don't like it. I use something else. And, you know, it's a reality some may have to face uh, as we go through this in terms of uh, trying to align respective data. We want to balance transparency and security. So obviously the SBOM is promoting complete transparency at the component level. But then there may be an element of enumeration 
in terms of what is being exposed in terms of sensitive information as versions, configurations of respective components. So we're looking to strike necessarily a balance to make sure that one, we're transparent, but we don't want to necessarily enumerate a complete inventory for an adversary to say, oh, well, look at that respective version. I know that's unpatched because there hasn't been a released version to upgrade that respective system. I now have a time of attack respectfully in terms of your system, and it's also enumerated from me, for me. Now, enumerated for where it is within your infrastructure and the numbers of layers of defense in front of it, again, uh, that would be uh, necessarily um, between you and the respective attacker. That's your threat modeling profile in terms of uh, where, is, uh, where are these systems, where is the software, where are these components located, and, and what do I have in terms of a compensating control if an update is not available uh, in order to integrate and improve the security and maturity of that respective system, therefore not comp compromising underlying integrity availability of that system. Now, we publish um, in many of the same vein here uh, as transparency, but we're looking at this increased attack service. So we share the SBOM can lead to necessarily who are we sharing it with, uh, and ultimately a malicious actor can look in this space, look at underlying detailed information about the components, the vulnerability, looking at weakness in terms of outdated um, components within your infrastructure, um, so we've got to make sure that we're um, protecting the SBOM. So in terms of transparency, I think that leads us to a balance of it's not necessarily for everybody. It's not necessarily that we have to publish this to the world, but to those with a need to know. Okay, so if you're not utilizing my respective software, uh, and again, this may be a little bit more difficult for larger organizations who are you know, um, have uh, necessarily a large market share uh, of entire countries. But for those um, that maybe don't have, uh, respectfully, that type of capability or that market share, is uh, who should we share it with? Those that request it? Those that are actually interested? Those that, as part of purchasing, get an inventory or a link to an automated service? <clears throat> to a capability, to a GitHub page, um, showing these respective versions and their uh, cadence of update being as frequent as uh, updates to features and functionality. Very interesting balance. Again, would love to get your thoughts on how, uh, how this integrates and how we maintain a balance uh, podcast at cisecurity.org. Now we get to another layer. We, we talk about compliance, but then there is a secondary element of that is the burden of compliance. So we have respective frameworks um, and, and other regulatory elements requiring alignment to a compliance ideal. Ultimately, that adds another level of burden to where we're in an infrastructure or an ecosystem today that our infrastructure may not have SBOM neatly defined for every single element. We may have some, but we may be missing others who have not yet reached either a level of maturity or have uh, impetus or incentive to move to the SBOM in order to provide that for the organization. This ultimately leads us to a point where what are we doing in terms of those that are missing? 
Is that just an exception? Is that we've put in a request? Here's the email, you know, compliance auditor, assessor. Is this enough for us to, you know, get past these elements that are not uh, respectfully inventoried at the level of an SBOM compared to those that are? Uh, again, disparate inference there. And ultimately, managing that communication, working with vendors, working through vendor risk management and third-party supply chain risk management is our resources. There have to be established processes, communication vectors, elements to understand what is needed for the regulation in a format that can be consumed through uh, the respective input. Ultimately, is that an inventory list with, uh, here's the software name, component, and version, is it open source? You know, what's the underlying license? Uh, again, there could be a number of columns that are required or features that need to be part of uh, the compliance landscape. So we have to look and really understand if we fail to maintain both from providing the SBOM as well as internally having updated SBOMs as part of our internal supply chain risk management program. Again, that's compliance, legal issues, potentially, who knows? Again, it's leading us in a direction where it's a good idea, but it's going to require commitment uh, across the entire uh, ecosystem. We get down to really the last two, and I, I like this one because it indicates some of the elements of dependencies and trust. Now, the reason I like it is because it's actually leveling up the responsibility across the board. We have to, one, we need dependencies from a respective supplier, trust in that space, but we also have to integrate that into our internal programs to build what are we looking for, what are our requirements, how often are we going to ask for this, is this an automated process to continuously update, is it being monitored and reviewed, both from the organization and from uh, the recipient organization of an underlying software. Now, it could look at, again, respective risk. Um, do, you, do we elevate risks of those without SBOM to a different level within a register um, in terms of our uh, confidence or dependency with respect to an organization? If that's a critical vendor in my respective infrastructure without this, does that affect between how I use them today when I wasn't asking for an SBOM till tomorrow when I'm trying to comply and improve the maturity of my risk management program? Does that change representatively their services to us? Now, again, uh, you can initiate response in terms of, you know, there's uh, we've seen a number of these elements, you know, third party risk questionnaires. Uh, SBOM listings, things of that nature are going to be part of a package, I feel, that's either going to be part of the request as we do in procurement of respective services or demoing respective services to understand the trust and dependency that we can have for respective suppliers. Again, as a prerequisite of signing um, the dotted line in terms of procurement. Uh, and so this, these elements, uh, again, come to mind as to where in our underlying ecosystem, where in the chain of supply chain risk management, does this inject itself? And I kind of feel that it's at that level because respectfully, we're then asking for said information. Now, if this is going through demonstration, right, we're doing our due diligence and looking at three vendors. We're going to ask all of the same elements. Ultimately, the SBOM may not be delivered until the dotted line is signed because there's the underlying need to know. 
ultimately it may be from the vendor risk management side of the procuring entity to say, well, I need to see what's in your respective system to know whether or not that I want to procure our respective services from you. And so it leads us uh, in that direction uh, as well. Finally, uh, we get to adoption challenges. So this is implementing those practices across the life cycle, looking at resistance, both internally, externally. Uh, and again, it may have the requirement of significant change. Ultimately, that should lead us to one, bringing an awareness and understanding to our software development life cycles, to the respective needs of our organization to be transparent, to follow Executive Order 14028 to a point where we can then attest to these changes, to the generation of dependency, trust, resiliency, bringing about a transparency and awareness that uh, ultimately we have a responsibility to do as a purveyor of respective software. So now there's time in training, awareness, uh, integrating the generation management into the software development lifecycle, into those build processes. We have to then adapt those new practices. Now, given elements of agility uh, within organizations and respective software development, there may be some that can do this. And I say with ease, again, let me use the air quotes on that. But there could be some organizations that this is completely detrimental to the throughput, the velocity that they can manage within their respective environments. And so again, initially this is going to slow down. Could it? Absolutely. There, there's potential for slowdown as we start to integrate and change. Ultimately, there may be elements where it's in, ingratiated into the process on a, uh, a less frequent basis rather than a complete switch. And yep, we're going to do everything right now. Um, here's the intake, here's the process, here's the build inventory management script, here's uh, the repository where it's going to be kept, etc., etc. Fantastic. Um, but I kind of feel that organizations may uh, gracefully introduce this through their environment uh, in order to uh, really build a capability in this space. Um, ultimately, that leads me to uh, really a conclusion. And so we look at the need for capability in this space. We want to look at um, representatively how we're gonna manage an approach. We wanna be judicious. Uh, we wanna follow a practice that builds upon resiliency and it's something that we want to um, really be part of an enhanced uh, software supply chain in terms of security, transparency, ultimately building elements of awareness to improve vulnerability management. But again, that has to be taken from both sides uh, of the respective element of the coin that I mentioned to necessarily integrate at an appropriate level at an appropriate time with appropriate visibility to internal processes of a respective organization to react timely uh, that will then allow us to uh, really utilize the benefit of the SBOM existing. If we're not going to use the data, if we're not going to integrate that as part of supply chain risk management, vulnerability management with respect to our systems, uh, ultimately, um, it, it's a waste of time. Uh, I mean, it's being done so that we can be aware and that we can react timely when we know a component of a system within a system within our infrastructure 
is vulnerable and potentially we may not have necessarily the defense and depth or the capability to prevent that vulnerability from being exploited. So we want to react in time both working with the respective vendor, with the respective third-party uh, component developer, whatever it happens to be, in order to uh, integrate uh, this capability and use it to our benefit. Um, again, just having a list and an inventory and a checkbox to say we received it as part of our third-party risk management program is, um, uh, is ultimately um, foolhardy. It's not going to get you to a point where you're mitigating risk through an awareness and transparency capability with an SBOM. Well, with that, those are my thoughts. Again, I'd, I'd love your feedback if I'm, you know, if there's anything we need to further discuss in this space, and I'm sure there will. Again, I want to get Tony's thoughts on this in a different perspective. I want to get other um, industry leaders as well uh, thinking about this as we really start to think about um, management and the performance of uh, SBOM capabilities, both um, within an infrastructure, cloud capabilities, SaaS-based solutions, things of that nature. It is a very, very interesting topic. And again, I've mentioned a number of websites uh, in order to uh, uh, get ideas of this. Again, uh, the executive order from the White House, scissor.gov uh, forward slash SBOM. A lot of great information. Uh, and we want to keep this uh, discussion moving forward. Uh, and I really appreciate your time. Again, uh, sign up for notifications of new releases of the podcast. Uh, make sure to subscribe. And with that, thank you very much and have a great day. Thank you for listening to the show today. If you are interested in learning more about how to grow your cybersecurity program, the free tools available to help you on your journey, or to get involved with the CIS volunteer community, visit our website at cisecurity.org. Start secure and stay secure.